You violated the law. It's the full preview podcast. UFC 285. Hello everyone, it's your boy Fenio, and we are here with the full preview. UFC 285 is Jones versus Gunn for the vacant uh, UFC heavyweight title that Ngannou left when he left the company. And this is a pretty good card, so let's just get into it right away. As usual, we're going by topology from bottom to top. The first fight is a lightweight bout between Loic Radzrabov versus Stevan Ribovich. Um, so, uh, Radzrabov, uh, I would describe him as a stocky wrestler. Uh, he pressures and throws big power on the feet. Not really a lot in the way of subtlety. Uh, not a jabber. Throws everything with full power. Doesn't move his head at all. But he's pretty good at catching clinches defensively. And once he pushes opponents to the cage, he will look to enter the clinch too. Uh, he has a pretty quick trigger for launching knees in the clinch. He's a physically strong wrestler. Uh, he has a variety of takedowns uh, once in the clinch. Uh, he has foot sweeps. Hip throws are mostly what he's about. Not a very controlling grappler from top position, but good at getting mad returns, especially if he locks his hands on a body lock. He likes to choke people and will go for front and back chokes from non-controlling positions. He's a, uh, a bit unorthodox in that way that he's not very control-oriented. He goes for chokes from wherever he can get, uh, take them. Uh, the gas tank is not great, but he keeps pushing while tired and maintains power and strength down the line. And on the other hand, we have Rimovich, uh, the Argentinian. He's an aggressive combination puncher, switches stances and can put meaningful combinations from both stances. Uh, he mostly keeps volume with what twos or jabs and waits for the counter. Can adapt to reactions, especially going to the body. If people react to the jab faint, he he can go with with the jab to the body or put a rear hand to the body, kicks, all that kind of stuff. Um, he has decent uppercuts in close quarters. Uh, he can find them thirty bucks in the clinch too. He has good trigger for counters, but doesn't move his head much. Uh, neither more uh, forwards or sitting back. He relies a lot on aggression, keep uh, his opponents at bay. He's an okay BJJ player. Uh, favors Kimuras a lot as an answer to body locks and to create scrambles on the ground as well. He can be taken down especially by leg attacks because he's like very striking oriented and always has his uh, hands pretty high. Uh, he usually shells up so he can be vulnerable to like double legs and such. Um, at first, I thought it was going to be a very obvious pick for Rajrabov, because Rivovich is in a grappler and hasn't faced this level of opposition, but the matchup is pretty interesting. Rivovich is okay in the clinch, he's pretty strong. Um, he, uh, from what I've seen, he's mostly being taken down by leg attacks, and he's a decent PJ player that looks to get back to his feet. And as, as I said, Rajrabov. Uh, not much, not much of a should take an artist, and also like the the top control is not very controlling. <laughs> um, Rivovich could also show to be kind of the kind of striker that can take advantage of the big movements, striking and constant linear pressure of Rashabov. Uh All that said, I'm gonna take the safe pick on this one because 
I don't know how Ripovich deals with a fighter of this physicality and gravity level. Uh, hope to be proven wrong, but but yeah, as, as it is, I'm picking Rajbabov by submission on the second round. The next one is a bantamweight bout. We have the debut of the younger Basharat brother, uh, Farid. Basharat makes his debut against Damon Blackshear. So Basharat, uh, he's a mobile kicker, can pressure or operate at open space. Uh, looks to find his range mostly with low kicks, but he's a lot more effective when he gets the jab going. He's very good with it, uh, plays with the timing, goes to the body, and opens up the opponent for combinations. Especially to the body, he's a good uh, body puncher. He has a very quick level change, likes to finish the single leg takedowns. Uh, pretty good at running the pipe or elevating, creeping, that kind of stuff. Uh, he's very solid from top position, has heavy pressure from half guard. And from there he can set up like elbows and punches. If he, if you are in, if he finds himself in top full guard, he's good at stacking people in the ground, standing up, and landing heavy ground on pound. Uh, especially I like the, the straight ball, the straight shots to the body, they look very nasty. And on the other hand, we have Blackshear, uh, very big for the weight class. A powerful kicker and puncher, and not very technical when it comes to closing distance. It's the kind of guy that loses his stance when pushing forwards, but he's pretty decent on the counter. He mostly scores with low kicks at open space, and looks for the opponents to close distance uh, to land his like big right hand, like to just take an angle and land the big right it can be like an overhand or it can be like straight punch uh, he's pretty strong in the clinch where he looks for elbows and knees using his big frame he likes to drop down for doubles and singles against the gauge and he's good at taking the back during scrambles and looks to generate space when he gets uh, uh, put down on the on the mat i think basharat presents a similar problem that Yusuf uh, salal did in his last fight against Blackshear, a uh, uh, fight that, by the way, uh, Blackshear won at the scorecards, and I do not agree with that decision. Basharat isn't as big, but certainly is more focused on doing the things that drove Blackshear in that fight, uh, mostly the jabbing and going to the body. Blackshear's chances in this fight come from his power, his size, and his ability to scramble, so it, it will be interesting to see if Basharat can hold him down. I expect Basharat to be one step ahead in basically all phases of MMA, so I'm picking him by decision. Our next fight is uh, a strawweight division. We have Jessica Pene versus Tabata Ritchie. So Pene, he's, she's a stiff long kickboxer on the feet. She has pretty decent form, but uh, she's pretty bad at seeing counters. Doesn't move her head well, well at all. She's pretty decent in the clinch, but can be out-muscled. She usually goes for body locks and wizard kicks from the clinch or tries to get the back. Uh, she's pretty creative about uh, taking the back while standing in the clinch, uh, usually like climbing with her legs and securing hooks. She also likes to secure deep overhooks while conceding takedowns, uh, so she can start working on her triangle series. Uh, she's pretty good at it. She has transitions to, to the armbar, to omoplata, so a lot of options both for submissions and sweeps from there. She's very active from bottom, especially with butterfly hooks too, and she can also uh, transition to legs attacks, so it's very hard to keep her down. Uh, the triangle armbar series, as I said, and, and the rear naked choke and armbar from the back are her more dangerous submissions. 
Uh, her opponent is uh, Tabata Rishi. Oh, she's a stocky wrestler. She likes to blitz from the outside. She's open to counters, but she's good at finding clinches and level changes. Uh, she likes to pressure people against the cage. Throws back counters to close the distance, and she's decent at catching kicks too. So that's something to watch out for because Penny kicks a lot. She's a very tenacious chain wrestler. Uh, chains attacks quickly and looks to wrestle from the floor if your attempts fail. And she's also a good scrambler. Uh, she has control in top position, but she's not very active with ground and pound, and that's too bad because uh, her ground and pound is is pretty big when she lets lets it go. It's an interesting challenge for Richie. This could either play out on the feet, where Richie is clearly like the faster fighter uh, with more pop against the longer Pena who has strike punches and could find success intercepting Richie's places with clinches using knees and elbows. Or this could go to the ground where it could be a duel between Richie's heavy top control, sporadic big ground and pound, and Pena's creativity and technical guard game. It's a tricky matchup for the younger fighter as Pena presents problems for her to overcome in every phase of the fight. But I think her ability to neutralize Jessica's grappling, her most dangerous aspect, is what will allow her to win this one. So I'm picking Richie by unanimous decision. We're back to Bantamweight. And it's Mana Martinez versus Cameron Seyman. So Mana Martinez, uh, he's like an awkward Swiss chance striker. Pretty much in the glory MMA mold. Like James Krause or Moreno, you've seen the, the kind of guys. He has a variety of kicks on the outside and can start combinations with his jab. Prefers to operate a neutral space, but has flexibility. He can he can sit back, he can pressure if needed. But he's at his most comfortable, like on middle ground. On the counter, he mostly tries to catch fires moving backwards with a wide check hook. Uh, moving forwards, he can put combinations together and attack all three levels. It's pretty dynamic. Can surprise people with spinning attacks and other big movements like jumping knees and the the such. It's fairly well-rounded, can be tagged going backwards and has some semblance of regressive, I would say. I mean, the, the footwork is not great, but he knows that he should not put his back against the cage, but he does not like pressure. He can be stuck in bottom position if he can generate like a scramble quickly in, in the initial motion. And we have Simon, on the other hand, uh, I would describe as a bouncy switch stance kicker. Plays off of reactions pretty well, pretty well. Good stepping jab can set up stuff from there, especially with the the reaction of the of the feint of the stepping jab. Sometimes he just steps and then looks to set up stuff from there. He can put combinations together and put trade the combination with kicks on all three levels. Uh, the first layer of takedown defense is a, a bit uh, sus, but he's a very good scrambler. He's dynamic, creating space when being controlled, can explode from bad positions and find reversals. And on top of that, he has very, very good cardio, especially for the pace that he pushes. And he has pretty decent power. So another step out in competition for Seyman. Uh, Mana is big, he's athletic, he's well-rounded. Both guys are dynamic. And, and I would say both have like well put together games on the feet. But I think Simon's form is tighter and he can push a higher pace. I think that's key. Also, his ability to generate scrambles probably means that Martinez cannot use his size as a safety net as Smash. Uh, so yeah, that with the cardio, I think same and by unanimous decision is to pick here. 
And now we go to welterweight, where we have Ian Machado Gary versus Son Kenan. So Gary, uh, he's a rangy outfighter, decent jab, fast and clean one-twos, chambered kicks with little wind-up, and also a threat of knees. Uh, all of that allowed him to dissuade uh, head movement from his opponents. So mostly guys start getting tentative about moving his head, and then they're more vulnerable to his one-two. His defense mostly revolves about managing distance, but he has a good trigger to throw counters in the pocket if he needs to. Uh, he maintains a pretty good pace, always puts more volume out there when he finds success. That's good to see. He has solid defensive wrestling. He's very long and uses that uh, pretty well against the cage. Uh, and it's hard to shoot on him in open space because of the range he maintains. So he always has like the bouncy footwork and the ability to move back. Uh, I would say he's vulnerable to body attacks against the fence, and he has very little head movement in the pocket, so maybe there's openings there. And on the other hand, we have Son Kenan, uh, a medium potato skip boxer. Can jab from distance, but he's mostly about the 3-2-2-3 the three, two, two, three change up. You know, threatening with the right hand to land the left hook and vice versa. Uh, he has pretty big power with it, and can put combos together when he finds the mark, so sometimes he lands like like the left hook, and then when he sees the opponent retreating, he can track them down with longer combinations. He's a dexterous kicker with the lead leg, and that allows him to, to add like high kicks with little wind-up and spinning kicks too. He's pretty good at that, and that adds variety at range. He's physically strong, uh, but the takedown defense is pretty suspect. Uh, he's decent at generation, generating scrambles to get back to his feet or seeing explosions, but the cardio is not very good. Uh, on this one, I see, uh, the way I see it is Gary getting yet another favorable matchup here. Uh, Song probably a bit less favoring than the previous two. At, at least he's taller, taller and ranger. Uh, not not more than than Gary, but but more than his previous opponents. Um, keep an eye on Kenan's power and the combos as. Because Gary has a very good chin, as I said, but looks vulnerable against the cage when he gets stacked. Other than that, Gary should win this one. Like, he's the longer, a more clever striker with a better gas tank. And probably can take the fight to the ground if he needs to, too. So I'm picking Gary by decision on this one. We're moving up one division. It's middleweight. We have Julian Marquez versus Marc Andre Barriol. Uh, so, yeah, I mean. Marquez is very tough, strikes from both stances, another glory MMA fighter. I don't know what those guys are doing without crowds right now, not pretty sure. Um, he's pretty limited and can get sloppy, but he has pretty good intakes in the pocket. He stays aware, looks for counters, and has big, big power. Usually gets tired in fights, but fights pretty well tired. Uh, he's very gritty, carries his power late into fights. The defensive wrestling is lacking, I would say, but he makes up for it with pretty decent, like, BJJ fundamentals and, and use, like, his athletic systems to generate scrambles and get back to his feet. And on the other hand, we have Burial. Uh, steady pressure, looks to either fight behind the jab or shaking hands to land left hooks or right hands. Pretty good amount of variety to keep the opponent guessing. Like, he has the little changes, shifts, kicks to all three levels. Uh, especially of note is the snap kick to the body, a very good tool for him. 
He's aggressive in the glitch with knees and especially elbows and uppercuts. And he can find those from single color ties against the cage and also in open space. He can be taken down if surprised with takedowns, but, but other than that, he has a pretty decent sprawl and decent defensive grappling. Uh, especially when he gets the pressure going, if he gets harder to take down. This one is a close matchup between fighters with similar attributes. Marquez is the more athletic and powerful of the two, will probably not break under Burial's pressure, but Burial is technically more sound, uh, has a better process. Marquez in this one needs to extend exchanges in the pocket or try to find takedowns, otherwise I think this is Burial's fight. Could go either way, but I'm picking Burial by decision on this one. After that we have a women's flyweight bout. It's Bibiana Araujo versus Amanda Hivas. So Araujo is athletic and powerful, a big feints from the outside to get reactions, and then close the distance with big movements. Uh, kind of like a TJ Dillashaw cosplay earlier in his, her career, uh, but still a bit of that there. Uh, wide rear hands to the body and to the head are her best weapons. Uh, she's good at timing level changes, especially off right hands. Uh, she's also pretty decent at catching kicks, physically strong, okay top control, and good back take, but not pretty good at finishing submissions. But the, the rear naked choke and arm triangle changeup is pretty good. Uh, the base can get out of hand, if she, and she can guess. And she also tends to run out of ideas as the fight goes on, and the opponents figure out her big entries. And Hibas, um, she's like an active striker who moves a lot on the outside. Decent pop in her punches. She's good conceptually on the feet, but she's bad at seeing counters when she closes distance. She sometimes freezes there. Uh, sometimes she angles out or moves her head. Other times she's just there for the taking during combinations. She's a pretty strong judo player in the clinch. Variety of throws that she can quickly throw in the counter or look for proactively against the cage. Could also shoot double legs in open space, so she has that variety there. And uh, from top position, decent ground pound, good position at control, and can attack submissions. Uh, defensively, she's very hard to take down, and she's a very strong scrambler. Araujo's size and physicality could be the key factor in this one, because Hibas, this is her only second fight at 125, and I don't think she looks like... She wasn't like a huge 115-er. Uh, Araujo packs power, and Hibas hump has been caught before. That being said, Hibas has a solid gas tank, is mentally tough, has a similar skill set uh, of Araujo, but I would say Hibas has better connective tissue. Uh, Araujo depends more and more on takedowns as the fight progresses because, she, as I said, she runs out, out of ideas in the feet, and Hibas has, pro has proven to be very difficult to take down and keeps pushing a pace during fights, so this one could be interesting. Uh, competitive or compelling, I would say, but I'm going by Hibas by unanimous decision. I'm picking a lot of decisions here, but I don't, I don't know, that's how I feel it. Like, it's probably won't play out that way, but if I have to make the picks, that's how I see the, play, the fights playing out. And it's meme time, because we move to middleweight, and we have a disaster of a fight, it's Derek Bronson versus Rico's to Plessis. But let's, I'll try to be serious about this one, but this one is a mess. Uh, Bronson, a self wrestler, 
to explode into bursts of big power, but mostly, mostly fights at an awkward, like, medium speed. Uh, pushes into kicks and vice versa, tries to dip his head into single leg entries. It's very stiff, like, can be hurt by shots that he doesn't see coming, uh, because he's, like, so stiff and doesn't have a very good ability of rolling with punches if, like, on the spot. If he has his eyes on you, he can see, like, shots coming and he can, he can be more durable. Uh, so pretty, he's pretty decent defensively, but he's focused. The problem is that he's not always focused. Uh, he's very strong from the single leg position, but can be denied if you find like the double underhooks early. He needs to like get deep on the leg to get his game going. He can finish the single in a variety of ways. He can run the pipe, elevate the leg and sweep, chain into doubles against the cage. Uh, he has decent control for top position, but has trouble maintaining when he's trying to either pass or going for ground pound. Uh, the card is very hit and miss because he's like very confidence dependent and he starts falling, falling apart and when he starts falling apart mentally, he gets tired. So that's, that's the problem for you. And on the other hand, we have Duplessis. Um, he's awkward on the feet, very heavy on the front, on the front foot. He closes distance a lot with marching one twos. They are all horrible. I'm not gonna pretend they're not, uh, but has pretty big power and can add hooks to the combinations if like the opponent stays their ground. He's a powerful kicker too, but not much in the way of setups for the kicks at all. He goes very hard for tank downs. Uh, it can be like single legs in upper space, doubles, body locks. He's not a technical wrestler at all, but, but he's very physically strong, so he makes it work sometimes. Oh, the BJJ is maybe his most technical aspect. He's pretty decent, and also he uses his strength there. So he works very diligently back to his feet when he gets taken down. Uh, when he's on top position, he can be dangerous with ground pound, but he can make mistakes. He's, he doesn't have very strong top control. He usually gets tired during fights, but he's very good at fighting tired. And sometimes, like, he fights very tired because the, the tiredness tell him, like, to settle and fight a bit smarter, I would say. He's very tough and durable. Bronson is a head case, and his cardio and confidence doesn't look great, especially at this age. Uh, fighting a fellow athlete comparable to him. Duplessis has a lot of of flaws that can probably uh, cause him takedowns against Bronson, but he has the chin to survive the burst. Uh, he can probably work his way back to his feet. And if they both get tired, it's like Rico's confidence is unbreakable and he fights well tired and Bronson falls apart. So I'm, I don't know, I'm picking to bless him by knockout on the second round on this one. And it is Bantamweight right now. It's Cody Garbrandt, the former UFC champion, makes his return against Trevin Jones. So Garbrandt, very fast counter puncher, power in both hands, counters in rapid fire with two or three punches. If the opponents flee the pocket, he can track them with switches. At open space, he looks to circle, fainting, looking for low kicks, looking for reactions, or entries by his opponents to make his move, usually he likes to counter. Pretty clean footwork at open space and can win angles from, for his combinations in the counter. Mostly uses distance as a trigger for his counters, so he can be frustrated by feints and especially and also by long non-committal attacks. 
that to give him his reads. He has decent and quick health movement when put on the defensive, and he can use the slips and dips to look for quick, like reactive takedowns. Uh, he's good at both like doubles and singles, and he can finish them cleanly, turning the corner or running the back, respectively. Not much in the way of top control, but he can be very dangerous in transitions. Uh, the problem with Garbrandt is that he's a huge, huge head case and a front runner. And on the other hand, we have Jones, that is also coming on a losing streak. Uh, he's a big and athletic southpaw. He's pretty low output, but he has power in both hands. Decent shot selection. Not very subtle, usually. Uh, throws with full power. Leading, he usually goes for a big left hand. Either straight or loop, he has a bit of variety there. And in the counter, he defaults for his check right hook. He can put big combos together on the lead, but he is he's the kind of guy that loses stances and he's trying to move forward. He can be pressured by feints and not much on the way of defense other than the distance and the counters. So against the cage, he can be vulnerable. Uh, has reactive takedowns of his own in the back pocket. The first layer of takedown defense is good, but can be put down by chain wrestling. Uh, he's also decent in the initial scramble, but if he doesn't get like movement going in that, he can be stuck in bottom position. Uh, so yeah, this is a fight between two athletic fighters in losing streaks. Both have big power, and I can see them bond, both throwing each other. Jones has the power, speed, and length to make it like Cody, like doubt himself early. Especially because uh, Trey Jones is pretty sharp immediately out of the gate. But at the same time, like Jones has the big movements, uh, constantly looking for the outside southpaw angle, uh, linear retreats are or like staff that a prime Cody Garbrandt would love for finding his openings. I think Cody has all the tools to either find a KO or win a convincing decision. Uh, but, and also like Cody didn't look bad in his last 135 fight against Font. Uh, it's mostly the, the concern about, about the fight against Kaikara France and that was at 125. So a lot of unknowns going into this fight. But man, I can trust like Cody Garbrandt uh, I think Jones, uh, during his like losing streak, has still like looked composed like himself. I don't think like Cody is there mentally for this one. I'm picking Trey Jones by knockout on the sec on the first round, despite thinking that Garbrandt is like by f by far the best fighter of the two. And with that, we're on the main card, and we have Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett. Um, not a lot to say about this one. Nickel, prodigious wrestler, one of the best Fox style wrestlers to ever transition to the UFC. Incredibly athletic, good eye for submissions, decent power on the feet, but everything else is pretty known. Uh, I think that striking has been developing pretty well, so, so he's like for sure a very, very good prospect. And on the other hand, we have Pickett. Uh, he's a, an athletic southpaw, he likes to kick from the outside, closing with short combinations. Uh, problem with Pickett is that he, he fights like very nervous, he's easy to stall on the clinch, and he does not like pressure. Uh, Pickett could maybe make something happen. I mean, if he makes Bo take like bad shots from the outside and then catching him, uh, Pickett has pretty decent power. Other than that, this is a calculated move by the UFC to give Bo Nickel a big win in a pay-per-view. Uh, not against that when it comes to the development of, of Nickel, but 
I'm not very interested in seeing it in a pay-per-view. Um, I'm going to take a risk here and not picking Nicole by submission. I'm picking him by first round, first round knockout. And that's it. And now moving on to fights that are actually interesting. It's lightweight. We have Matthias Gamrot versus Jalen Turner. So Gamrot. A uh, Shane wrestler that mostly favors the low single. A very quick level change. Operates on the feet uh, on open space. Um, he likes to look for straight shots from both stances. And combo that with hooks or kicks. He can shoot reactively if pressured, but also likes to just like time takedowns out in the open space. Despite the speed of his level change, the entries can be a bit messy. Uh, he can shoot for like way too far away, drop to his knees, uh, try to connect his hands uh, before like securing the leg, that kind of stuff. But he still completes a lot of takedowns because he has like very good ankle control during the during the low single, and also like has like chains to the other leg, can finish uh, a variety of takedowns. He's a very good chain wrestler. On the ground, he's not great at controlling, but he's very tenacious with pursuing like mad returns, and that can be very frustrating for, for fighters. And he's very good at finding good positions during transitions. Usually finding like back body locks or again like deep singles where the fighters are working their way back to their feet. He has a variety of submissions that he usually finds during transitions. He's not very good at setting up the, the submissions with the control. Usually it's during scramblers, during scrambles that he's at his most dangerous. Uh, he has back takes, leg locks, and arm attacks. Uh, the thing with Gambler is he likes to reset a lot. Like uh, if he fails a takedown, he will circle on the outside during striking. He's the same way, and he's a bit shaky on the feet. He sometimes not. Uh, he doesn't see counters, or he gets countered like throwing a naked kick, stuff like that. And on the his opponent Turner. It's a very long striker, he's huge for the weight class, and he's dangerous both from kicking range and from up close. He changes stances, he can throw long one-twos from both, and has like long snap kicks to the body. Uh, good at counter knees too when the opponents try to close the distance, and he's very dangerous with like short hooks, uh, single collar ties from like mid-boxing range and in, in the pocket. Uh, I would say the uh, Turner does his best work like drawing up counters and moving people on the outside into shots and work and then he can swarm. He's very good at working the body. Uh, brutal ground and pound when he gets top position and he has like good front chokes and rear naked choke. Uh, the height and, and the frames that he likes to do using like loose clinches and single collar ties can expose him to takedowns. On the ground, he usually tries to twirl and use his long frame to post wide or elevate hips to bait like a back tape and make the opponent fall off. That's like his small operantis there. Uh, really a two-outcome fight is this one. Uh, it's either Turner getting his weight on the feet or Gamrot dominating the grappling. Turner's striking seems tailor-made to make Gamrot pay for his shaky striking and especially the lapses of bad defense. Especially because he can attack him from like way outside and just take him in the pocket too, so he has the advantage in like both ranges. Uh, but at the same time, Gambrose wrestling plays directly into Turner's like upright stance and busy hands at the top, so he can probably just dive into his leg without much resistance. 
seems like a very scary matchup for Gambrot. It's probably that Turner has improved a decent amount since getting wrestled by Matt Frebola. But I'm going to take a see-to-believe-it approach here, picking Gambrot to win by submission in the second round. And we move to the next one, and it's a welterweight bout. And a good one, surprisingly, because welterweight hasn't seen very good matchmaking lately. But this one is very good. We have Jeff Neal versus Shavka Drakmonov. So Neal, a powerful southpaw, does all the basics of open sets matchup pretty well. He has clean footwork, wins south-south position often. He has the double attack with the rear and rear hand and rear leg. And he can counter and he can lead. Uh, most dangerous from the rear side, as I said. Uh, kicks to the body and to the head super hard. And the straight left is like his money shot. Zero wind up, very good punch. Uh, has some versatility with the right hand too, though. Uh, he has a good jab. Doesn't use it very much other than for sending up the one-two. But it's, it's there. Uh, the right hook on the counter appears here and there. And has decent power with it. And he has a sneaky uppercut. Like he has this like long like lever punch uppercut uh, with the at open space, but up close in the clinch or against the gauge, he has like a, a tight like dangerous uppercut there with the right hand too. He looks for clinches defensively when he's sworn. He's very physically strong during tie-ups, but he's not very active during clinches. He's very hard to take down and hold down. Very strong hips and looks to get back to his feet immediately using posts or strong overhooks. A decent, pretty decent, like, uh, fundamental jiu-jitsu for that. And on the other hand, we have Rachmanov. Uh, he stands super tall and fights with, behind a, a pretty sharp jab on the feet. Powerful kicks with good timing. Uh, the distant depth management by Rachmanov is very good. Lo not a lot in the way of head movement, though, so watch out for that. The clinch is his strong suit. He can be a, a bit passive striking-wise in the clinch, but he's very good with the takedowns, uh, especially if he gets a body lock or an over-under. Uh, he has a lot of takedowns, uh, trips uh, inside and outside, hip toss, uh, head and body. He's very strong in the clinch. He's very crafty in the clinch, too. Uh, from top control, he's a monster. Uh, very smothering, actively looks to pass with big, uh, with big knee and shoulder pressure. He's very good at flowing, flowing from one control position to the next one. Um, because yeah, sometimes when passing, uh, that will generate a little scramble, but he always ends up in another, in a new like controlling position. And he's very good at denying scrambles when, when people are trying to generate stuff when he's passing, as I said. He likes to stack people on full guard and land heavy standing ground and pound. He's brutal with that. A rear naked choke and front chokes are, are the specialty, but he also has uh, a dangerous triangle choke when put on his back. Watch out for that. Uh, shout out to Habib Magomedov that had like the sickest triangle that no one ever saw because he was a top controlling fighter. Uh, this is a very good matchup at 117. Uh, Radmanov hopefully gets his striking tested in this one uh, against a tricky and very powerful saw point Neil. Anil historically very hard to take down and hold down, but not impossible. Uh, the biggest precedent coming into this fight for me is the Magni fight. Obviously, Magni and Rachmanov is are not very similar, despite being like both very tall fighters. 
Magni frustrates in a very different way his opponents, but Rachmanov does possess uh, the length and could make use of some of the tools that Magni did, especially the jab. Uh, Magni was very successful with the jab later in the fight. Uh, Rachmanov doesn't have the same like active jab, but he has a better a better like mechanical jab with more pop and good timing and also like the clinch like Magnus told uh, Jeff Neil a lot in the clinch Neil looked for a lot of clinches again Wonderboy and got started there too and Ragmanov that's where he drives uh, the possibility of Neil being too hard to take down and just playing better on the feet is there but I think picking Ragmanov to frustrate Neil with his length the clinch and the lead top game seems more likely to me I'm going by taking a chance here because we haven't seen O'Neill submitted, but I'm just going by hunch and picking Ragmanov by second round submission on this one. And with that, it's co-main event time for the UFC Flyweight Championship. Valentina, the perfect, U- the perfect human being, Shevchenko, defends her title against Alexa Grasso. So let's talk about Grasso first. Uh, she's a char boxer. She's pretty athletic, has good cardio, works behind the jab, either looking to set up one twos or to draw a counter and come back with the right hand. She's pretty good at timing cross counters, that's one of her best punches. And the left hook, like closing the draw combinations, that, that also has been like a money punch for her. Uh, Grasso can kick, but doesn't have like a, an actual game around kicking. She mostly like kicks to spice up her boxing game. She's fairly strong in the clinch. Has good eye for striking transitions. Uh, she can frame an elbow, find knees, and on during the breaks, she's pretty good at finding like punches and kicks. She's very urgent on the ground, active with her guard, threatening back takes during scrambles. Uh, but she can be put down. I mean, the scrambles can fail, but she will she will keep working to get back up. That's one thing. The head movement can be lacking when she's put on the defensive. And the lack of meaningful face uh, from her at long range like really hurt her setups for big punches. And the defending champion by Valentina, super sharp low volume softball, scores with kicks and jabs from distance, waits for big movements to either counter or grab clinches. The, the distance management is excellent. The footwork is pretty clean. And those two allowed her to frustrate her opponents into giving her the big, the big movements that she wants. And she's also very, very good at jet, about judging feints. Uh, very strong in the clinch. Look for hip throws and foot sweeps from there. Decent pressure from top control, but not a lot of damage from the close guard. She can be stuck from there. Uh, if she gets to like more dominant positions, the ground and pound can get pretty heavy. Especially if she finds the, the Mantis Crucifix, that it's like her, her go-to finishing move. Uh, yeah, you're in trouble because she's very strong from that position. I would say this is a very hard matchup for Grasso. Uh, she will need to compete in kicking range with Valentina. And as I said, the lack of meaningful feints will make it very hard for her to enter punching range. Where she probably has an advantage there. Uh, even if like uh, Alexa came prepared with the face and the entries into the pocket. Valentina is very good at reading what face are real and not. Uh, has good footwork and a pretty decent puncher 
Valentina herself, so it's not like Grasso enters in the pocket and wins the fight immediately. Grasso needs to get inside and set combinations past Valentina's comfort zone. I mean, Valentina likes to get like two or three bunches and get out immediately. And to do that, she also needs to be aware of the clinches, avoid getting stealth, and most important, uh, avoid losing rounds on her back. Uh, Valentina is only getting older and she might have to start, uh, she might have start having like worse and worse performances with a note, but other than that or an extraordinary performance by Grasso, the most likely outcome is Valentina keeps her distance within a low output kickboxing match, and if Grasso like ever gets frustrated, closes distance, uh, Valentina gets a takedown. I'm uh, picking Valentina by decision on this one. And the main event is here. For all the marbles, not really, because Ngannou left the title, but it's John Jones. Finally, the heavyweight debut after like 25 years, he's been bulking. So we were assuming he's going to be like 350 pounds. Uh, he fights Siri Gunn. Um, yeah, I mean, let's get into this fight. Uh, I know I sound like super, super bored, but I'm actually looking forward to this one. So Jones, uh, switch stance, long kickboxer, attacks all three levels, a lot of attrition work done with, with front kicks to the knee, the leg kicks, snap kicks to the body, straight punches to the body, all of that. A lot of hand fighting on the feet with their setup like his kicks or the straight punches. Keeps a very long distance with good footwork to circle around the cage. He relies a lot on long frames as defense would put on the back foot. Uh, during his prime, he was a monster uh, clinch fighter, but both the takedowns and the striking have seemed to have deteriorated. Uh, now he uses the clinch mostly as a safety blanket and finds the strikes just when the, the opponent is tired mostly. Most of his takedowns nowadays come in the form of level changes, where the initial shot is not very good, but he can drive people to the cage, and then he can use his long arms to close his hands and finish double legs there. And we have Gun, a bladed stance kickboxer with charged jab from both stances, heavy kicks from the outside, looks to play off reactions to his, to his kicks to set up another kicks, actively attack, attacks all three levels, with, with both side kicks and roundhouses. Stat front kicks from both sides are especially damaging to the body and help with distance management. He also likes looks to shake hands, especially when mirroring stances and when in an open stance uh, scenario. And he, he looks to either open up the jab of the rear, the rear kicks or knees with that. Uh, the shape hook offers another layer of defense for him and he's good at catching reactive clinches as well. The boxing form can get very messy, especially during prolonged combinations. But I think he maintains awareness about the distance and can move his head uh, in the pocket. We've seen that against like Taito Bas and Derek Lewis, that are like very big punchers. Um, other than the big shot that Ty landed on on Gun, and and that wasn't even in the pocket. Uh, he has looked like pretty decent defensively there. I mean, it's a bit messy, but he stays aware. His uh, gun is very strong in the clinch, especially with color ties and biceps control. And he's there like good at landing knees and elbows and pretty decent footwork in the clinch as well. This is a very weird like mirror match. Uh, both guys, even, even, th even though the, the implementation is a bit different, both guys like, like to do the, 
some of the same stuff. Uh, Jones' biggest historic advantages have deteriorated. Gun can compete with Jones in both his preferred ranges, and even having important advantages in those. Uh, Gun seems better at defending kicks than Jones, has a better jab, and is significantly bigger uh, if they get into the clinch. Jones always has some wild cards of his own. Uh, if he gets a takedown, obviously he will have a huge advantage there, like Gun is not very good off, off his back. Um, Jones will probably have the cardio advantage, as he usually does in this one. Uh, but he will need to push the pace against like a heavier hitter to make that count. A lot of non unknowns coming into this one. But it seems to me like Jones' victory relies a lot on him uh, both looking good at, he at this new like weight class, fighting someone bigger and bringing back some of the best aspects of his prime. Uh, the takedowns, the clinch fighting, that kind of stuff. I think Cyril is the bigger and more powerful fighter. Equally, if not sharper as a striker at this stage, really. And has more experience fighting people this size. Uh, Jones could turn the clock, the clock back and put on a great performance. I'm not counting that out. But I'm not, I'm not putting my marbles there. I'm picking Gun to win a decision in the main event. And with that, we're done. That's all the fights. Uh, actually, pretty good pay-per-view. Not, 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 a, not many bad fights. Not at all, I would say. Uh, fights to watch out. Uh, Basharat versus Blackshear is going to be interesting. Uh, Mana Martinez versus Cameron Seyman is going to be an action fight for sure. Brunson versus Duplessis This is going to be the whole circus. Do not miss that one. And then we have like Gandrock Turner and Neil Rackmanov that are like actually very good and important fights in their divisions. Other two title fights are, if anything, compelling. So yeah, I mean, not not an stacked pay per view, but a pretty decent one. And, and that's it. Rem uh, remember to support the the fight pass on Patreon if you can. Check out the rest of our content, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.